Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. We spend a lot of time on podcasts like this predicting the future in various ways. But as we do that, we know life is really unpredictable. And as the scripture says, we do not, uh, we do not know uh, the number of our days. And that's why it's a really important thing to have a will uh, to protect yourself and your family. Christianity Today has partnered with Epic Will to walk you through the entire process of creating a will in as little as 10 minutes. You don't have to have a law degree uh, to be able to walk through this, and that's why it's really helpful. So visit morect.com, that's M-O-R-C-T.com, will, that's morect.com slash will to get started today. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Uh, Those of you who know me uh, very well know that one of the biggest uh, influences on my life and ministry uh, has been the the music, the songwriting, and the writings of a singer-songwriter by the name of Michael Card. I can think of song after song after song that really taught me how to read the Bible, taught me how to see myself. I think of Live This Mystery. Uh, song that that he wrote uh, that that actually uh, uh, there's a line in the song that says I hear the silence is clamoring there is only Christ he is everything and he referenced the Phillips translation of Colossians chapter three and so I went and and looked that back and it just reoriented everything in my life in exploring over the next uh, little bit what that means to say Christ is all and in you all. And I could I could just go through his whole discography <laughs> and go through this right now. Uh, but he has a book, a, a new book and a new album out called Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. And uh, it's a really fascinating book. I really recommend that you check it out. And I wanted to, to talk to him a little bit about what loving kindness looks like uh, in the life of a believer and, and maybe how he's seen that uh, in his own life. And so, Mike Card, uh, welcome to Signpost. Thanks for being with us. Well, thanks, Russell. Um, I'm swimming in affirmation after the introduction. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, only you, Mike, would <laughs> would set out to write a book about what you concede is an untranslatable word. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a, a- a better man should have written this book, actually. <laughs> a better man. What led you to, to work on this project? I, uh, 10, 15 years ago, I got interested in biblical laments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had studied Hebrew as an as undergraduate and graduate and um, had never encountered this word. But in the context of lament, I discovered that laments transition. They all, except for Psalm 88, they all transition from uh, lament to worship. And three of the most significant ones transitioned uh, upon this word 
the Hebrew word hesed. I started looking around and nosing around, and uh, I think what got me was uh, I was talking to Bruce Waltke, who is one of the great Old Testament scholars in the world, yeah. and uh, he said, uh, oh, that's the defining characteristic of God. Mm. And I, I just about passed out when he said that. Now, I've, I've since talked to him, and he said, I, ne- I never said that. I would never <laughs> say that. <laughs> well, well he, he has a point, though, doesn't he? I think he does. When God defines himself to Moses in Exodus 34, this is the word he uses twice. Yeah. So how would you explain it to someone who says, uh, th- this is obviously an important characteristic of God, but what does yeah. it mean? Well, in 1535, Miles Coverdale, who was uh, trying to attempting to translate the Old Testament, had to invent a word to translate this word. And what he had done, he, he saw... The, all the places that it appeared, it appears about 250 times in the Hebrew Bible. And listening to the context, because that's where words get their meaning, words derive their meaning from the context, he invented the word loving kindness. And that's still one of the best uh, translations, because it's more than love. It's, uh, it has to do with kindness. It has to do with loyalty. It's unexpected. It's undeserved. Uh, we get mercy and grace from it. And really what you have to do is look at, at sort of the main passages where it occurs and understand the context in order to understand the Word. And that's what I did. That's what I tried to do anyway. Mm. It seems to me, as I was reading this book, um, I, I can think of friends of mine who will say, God is love, which of course is a, a biblical affirmation. Sure. But when you listen to what they talk about, what they mean when they when they say that, it is, well, God is love, therefore God understands the fact that I'm short-tempered or envious or, yes, or whatever. Right. And then right. I've got other friends who would say, God is holy, God is holy. Uh, sure. But the way they express that is in terms of... Uh, sometimes a, a judgmental, censorious sort of spirit. But right. in the way that you're talking about God's loving kindness, uh, you're really holding love and holiness together throughout all of it. And not just love and holiness, but but love and, and wrath, love and judgment. Yeah. Well, and, and when he does reveal himself to Moses in, in what I consider to be the most important passage in the Hebrew Bible— in Exodus 34, he, he, he begins by saying he's full of compassion and full of hesed, full of kindness. Uh, but in the second half of that revelation, he says, but I don't leave the guilty unpunished. So there is that element of justice. Um, and, and the word hesed and the Hebrew word for justice appear, frequently appear together. But what I do when people are having those discussions, God is love, you know, when I hear that, I always think, well, he, he kind of has to be that way, right? <laughs> he's got he's got to show love because that's part of the definition of who he is. But for me, the big surprise, uh, the big surprise of the New Testament is that when the Messiah comes, he's he's a slave or a servant. He washes feet. No mm. one, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, I think the big surprise of the Hebrew Bible is that when God comes to us, He's kind. Mm. I don't think anybody saw that coming. You know, like you said, he's holy, absolutely. He's love, yeah. He kind of, he sort of has has to be those things. Mm-hmm. He's all powerful, speaks the world in, or the universe into existence. Yeah, I get that, but that he's kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's 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 a new thing for me. Well, and it really is uh, for me too. Not uh, not at the cognitive level. 
I mean, I, I think I could teach people on the kindness of God, and I, I, yeah. I uh, can talk to people about the kindness of God toward them, and I would be able to sit in and write out for you how God is kind toward me. But sure. at some emotional level, I find that I, I have a really hard time believing in the kindness of God. I have to constantly yeah. extricate myself from this idea that God's mad at me, and I yeah. have to I have to perform for God, even though God has has explicitly said uh, through the Apostle Paul in Romans five. Therefore, we have peace with God. Yeah. Uh, why is that so hard for some of us to 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 get at the heart level or to keep at the heart level? Maybe I should say. Well, it's interesting when you go there because this idea of uh, you know I, I'm sort of afraid of him because he's he he's full of wrath and. And, and I repent because, you know, because of that. But what does Paul say? Paul says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. It's when we realize this, this feature, especially, you know, on, on this side of the cross, when he has demonstrated uh, his kindness. Uh, I mean, the, the Jesus incarnates hesed. When, uh, when I stand before uh, the cross of, of, of Christ— that definition comes to life. My definition of Hesed is it's when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything, not a second chance, everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I stand before that cross and I, I I realize, you know, I have no right to expect anything from you. I nailed you there. Yeah. And yet what what has Christ given me? He's given me everything. Yeah. He gives me everything. And I think given that in that context, then Paul says, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I stand before that cross. I see the kindness of God, the loving kindness of God, and my goodness, my heart breaks. And and I think that's when genuine repentance occurs. Yeah. Well, and and uh, sometimes I think, and again, not at the not at the mental level, but at the yeah. heart level, I sometimes think that God is sort of looking at me uh, with all the ways that I screw up and mess up, and and thinking. Ah, you are such a disappointment. Yeah. And, and then I realized when you, one of the things I've been noticing about Jesus is that he is never shocked and surprised yeah. by who people are, both positively <laughs> and, and negatively. So uh, John 1, he's, he's saying to uh, Nathaniel, I saw you, behold an Israelite in whom there's no right. guile. I saw you under the fig tree. And right. then he says just a couple chapters later to uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, I know about your your situation with your husbands and and the man that you're with now. So there's this sense of he's not shocked and surprised, and he's he's even in all of that he's showing himself faithful and loving and just and and that that's just really hard to learn. Yeah, and, and I think in particular in the the Samaritan woman, he knows everything about her. He he, uh, and yet. That does not uh, drive her away. In fact, she is. There's something about his kindness that really warms her heart to him. Yeah. Uh, she even tries to throw some religious uh, sand in his face. She brings up Mount Gerizim in the temple. You Jews say this, but we say this, and even that, uh, he still pursues her. I think in a very loving and a very kind way. And in the end, of course, uh, there's a turnaround in her life, and she realizes that he's the Messiah. Yeah. You know, I I wonder if you've ever uh, faced this. I uh, grapple a lot, and I've I've met a lot of people who do with this uh, imposter syndrome, as they call it, uh, Mm -hmm. which is that if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. 
Uh, or if you really knew me, you wouldn't approve of me. And so uh, sometimes when, uh, even when there's words of encouragement or affirmation, you think, yeah, but you just don't know the whole story. Yeah. And Jesus seems to just uh, blow all of that out of the water repeatedly. Uh, well, by virtue of the fact that he really knows he us. He really knows and, us, yeah. And he still, and he still loves us, because, I mean, the, the the first part of that, when you first said that, I said, well, you know what, if, if Russell, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you don't love me the way, and, and I don't love you the way Jesus loves us. I mean, right. we, hopefully the Lord is changing our hearts so that we will. But uh, yeah, Jesus knows. My goodness, he knows. He knows everything about me, and yet his love for me isn't based on me. It's based on who he is, and you you know all this. Yeah, and uh, and it's based on again. I think that revelation in uh, in Exodus thirty four. I'm, uh, you know, the Lord. The first word out of his mouth is the Hebrew word racham, which means compassion. I'm compassionate, full of grace and truth. And that grace and truth, hesed va'emet, uh, that's what John says Jesus is full of in John 1.14. So Jesus fulfills this image of the God who reveals himself to Moses in Exodus 34. It really is elegant the way it's all uh, connected together. But I think you're right. I think we see that and on every page of the gospel. Jesus is consistently gentle and kind with people. You know, with a few exceptions, certainly mm-hmm. he gets he gets angry with some people who who are kind of asking for it. So yeah, you know, uh, when you talk about some in this book about modeling loving kindness, so it's not just the way that God acts toward us; it's how we are to act toward other people. And one of the things that occurs to me is, I mean, one of the things that you point out in this book is just how deep and complex and complicated. Uh, from our perspective, uh, loving kindness of God can seem. And so it seems to me it could be really confusing to figure out how to model that in in the lives of people when this does seem to be uh, so sometimes perplexing to know why is God acting the way that he is or why is Jesus acting the way that he is. Now, I thought about this. I mentioned your song, Live This Mystery, that, that really redirected my life in, in a lot of ways. And one of the things that that song is about is about the life of Christ uh, living through us so that it's it's not that we're following a list of rules and regulations, but there's a, there's a life that's, that's coming through us. How do we do that? One of the, one of the interesting facets of the whole idea of Hesed is uh, reciprocity. That is, when when someone, whether it's a human being or God, whenever they show you this kind of hesed uh, or this kind of loving kindness, mercy, grace, uh, however you choose to translate it, uh, it is really incumbent upon you to reciprocate. And uh, it's not a covenant thing. It's not like you violate a covenant if you don't reciprocate. You you've uh, you violated something much deeper. Much, much more fundamental. So Jesus will say things like, "We should forgive as we've been forgiven," and that's that's this idea for reciprocity. And and so I think the way that, that you're motivated, uh, in in one sense it's complicated, in one sense it's very simple. You're motivated by uh, gratitude for the fact that you've been forgiven and you've been loved. I mean, how can I not love anyone? Mm-hmm. Uh, in light of the fact that Christ has forgiven and continues to forgive and love me. And you see how when I don't do that, I have really violated 
something really fundamental, uh, uh, you know, to, to not to not forgive in kind yeah. and not to show mercy in kind, in one sense, really kind of shows that you haven't gotten it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you have been working on this project for a long time. Yeah. I remember uh, you and I having coffee in like 2013, <laughs> and you were talking about this. And it struck me at the time, and it still does. I mean, we all get passionate about projects that we're working on, but it seems like it's more than that in this case yeah. for you. I mean, you were I mean, right up to a, a Hesed tattoo, and you know, all, all you're really, <laughs> really being uh, changed by this. I wonder when you sort of look back over your life so far, uh, are, are there unique points where you can say, I can see that sort of Hesed loving kindness in my own life, maybe especially sharply? Well, I. Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think when I think back on my life, what I mostly think of is is the times I failed. Mm-hmm. But there's one there's one incident. I have I go to, I spend a lot of time in Israel, and I have a friend there, who a Jewish uh, brother who is a scribe. His name is uh, Eli, and I had met him doing a video, uh, 17, 18 years ago, and then. A few years later, I'm walking down the street in Jerusalem, and I hear this voice, and this this man's, Michael, Michael, and he runs up to me, and I barely remembered him, because we hadn't spent that much time together, but he gives me a big hug, and he goes, oh, at last I found you. Mm. <laughs> it was just bizarre, and, uh, and, and he had remembered that we'd worked together, and we got a coffee, and we're sitting there talking, and I go, I go, Eli, I mean, what is the deal? Why, why did you remember that brief time together. And what he said was, he said, because you were so kind to me. Mm. And I don't remember being, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I'm a Southerner. I try to be right nice to everybody. Yeah. But but he had since, and I, I pray and hope that this is Christ in me and that he, there's something in his, you know, his Jewish experience that resonates with that kind of loving kindness. But um, that that's the one time I can look at my life and say, someone told me, I remembered you because you were kind, mm. and um, and and it's 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 tempting to just move on. But you, what you really need to do is stop and say, "That was the gospel." In one sense, uh, here was a person who was impacted by by what I hope Christ is doing in me, and and it came across just a simple kindness. Uh, I have an experiment right now. Um, I, I have Hesed experiment. When I go to the grocery, I go to the grocery every day. I look for especially older people who, um, who when they're when they're finished unloading their grocery cart at their car, I l- I go up to them and say, "Can I take your cart back for you?" I stay well back. I know not to scare little yeah. old ladies, you know, in the parking lot. So I stay well back, and and I'll say, look, "Can I take your cart back for you?" And to date, I've had two elderly women start to weep. Really? Yeah. And it, it's just the smallest act of kindness that you can imagine, but it's done in such a way, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, from a, a, a gospel motivation, it's done in such a way that it really impacts people. And I think you can do that. I mean, Jesus says, a, you know, a cup of cold water Yeah. Uh, when he washed their feet, which in one sense is a very small thing. Uh, John says he was showing the full extent of God's love when he did that. So that's that's I think that's a an idea that's worth thinking about. Mm. You know, you uh you have written I don't even know how many songs. Uh you probably don't Four, even know. 450 is the current count. Wow. 
Uh, <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, and you've traveled all over the world uh, performing and what have you. It seems to me that you have been able to avoid some of the huge pitfalls that comes for, toward people when it comes to that sort of life of mm-hmm. traveling around. I mean, you, you, you know, to this day, still writing uh, really rich, biblically resonant uh, stuff. So you're not running on the fumes of past sort of thought or past experience and, and so forth. Uh, I know it has to be difficult traveling like that and so forth. Uh, maybe there's somebody listening to this right now. We have a lot of people in the music business who are listening to this right now who are sort of um, exhausted. They're traveling around. They're performing. They say, I don't have time to think anymore. I don't have time mm. to write anymore. And certainly there are people in other areas of life who are in that situation. What sort of counsel would you give to them? Well, I, I, I think you, you've, you've got to you know, always be checking your heart and checking your motivation. I think when it's just about you, I think things tend to wear thin pretty quickly. And I'm speaking from experience because I'm certainly, I'm certainly a person who's, you know, affirmation junkie and I don't get all the applause I need or a book doesn't, or a record doesn't sell the way, you know, I hoped it might, I can go in the dumps as well. So I know what you're talking about. So I think, you, you know, you check your heart and you constantly go back to the reason why you're doing this. And uh, for me, a very important idea, it's still to this day hard to say it, but it's it's faith over family. You know, people will come to Jesus and say, let me say goodbye to my father. And Jesus says, no, you come with me. And I think as far back as, as Abraham and Isaac, I think God God is making the point that, look, I've I've got to be more important than your family. That's not to say you know, you abandon your family. In fact, hopefully, if we are following Christ, we are better husbands and better spouses and that mm-hmm. sort of thing for our family. But um, if you're a musician who's called to, to go on the road all the time and you're uh, struggling with that, uh, I think th- that realization is, has meant a lot to me. As hard as it's been, um, I don't pretend to be the perfect father. Um, and then the other the other thing has been um, community. I think uh, one of the best experiences of community I've had has been on the road with other musicians. And if you don't have that with the people you're traveling with, you need to travel with different people. If you're just gigging, mm-hmm. you know, go do something else. So Willie go Nelson was on to something, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up Johnny Cash, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny Cash wasn't quite as exuberant about life on the road as Willie yeah. is, so. <laughs> well, thanks, Michael Card. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you, and I really appreciate thanks, you Russell. taking the time to be here. Well, let's get together and have coffee again soon. Absolutely. This is Russell Moore, and you've been listening to Signposts.